all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason, you. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. Welcome to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. And Happy New Year to everyone listening out there. It is uh, the first Monday of 2021, and we're going to do some kind of jumpstart to health things today. Um, With it being a new year, I get tons of messages from people who are wanting to um, get healthy or get fit um, and are looking for nutritional advice or uh, information about certain diets and exercise plans and those kinds of things. So we're going to go through some of the questions that I have gotten just this past week on people wanting to, to adopt a healthier lifestyle for the new year. If you have a question for us, you can uh, give us a call. It's one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can email us at fit at mpbonline.org, or you can go over to Facebook to Healthy Habits with Josie and drop me a message there or through um, the private messaging function. However you would like to interact with us, we would love to do that with you. This is uh, the first week of January, and so that also means it's my four-year anniversary here um, at Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit. So I started in, um, what, 2017, I guess. So that is a long time that feels like a short time. So it's it's a great opportunity to be here. And so we're going to do what we do best. We're going to talk about how to stay healthy and fit. So one of the first questions that I got this week was, I want to start clean eating. How do I start? And man, that's just a, it's a loaded question because I really, in general, kind of dislike the word clean eating. Um, I appreciate the notion behind what it is standing for, uh, but I don't like the concept that there's, there's dirty food or, you know, bad food and those kinds of things, which we've talked about on the show before that I'm not real big on calling things good or bad or anything like that. Just foods we need to eat more of and foods we need to eat less of. But in general, um, when, when someone says clean eating, it's talking about things that are not as messed with, right? Which is something that we absolutely fully support um, in lifestyle medicine, eating as unprocessed as we can get. Um, But knowing that some processing is necessary to make foods safe to eat or to keep them safe to eat. But as little as we can rely on packaged, um, you know, things that come in bags or powders 
um, or, you know, even cans to a certain extent, that helps us eat more along kind of that clean eating uh, pathway that we have there. Um, it, It excludes a lot of refined things. And when we talk about refined, kind of the two Well, the one big one that I'm talking about is refined carbohydrates. And so that means they've had a bunch of stuff done to them, right? And in the same process, refined sugar, which would fall underneath a a refined carbohydrate. So choosing whole grain options when we're picking um, a bread or a pasta, something like that. Choosing a brown rice over a white rice. Um, Choosing natural sugars versus added sugars, all of those would fall under um, that that kind of clean eating pattern. But instead of focusing on that, again, we want to focus on just good quality um, decision making at, at every meal. When uh, Before the pandemic, when I would send my kids off to school, one of the last things I would say and they get out of the car is make good decisions. Um, and so they say that to me now when I'm you know, uh, walking out the door to go to work, they say make good decisions. And that's really what we're talking about uh, in terms of, of life in general, but especially with nutrition is just making good decisions. While they won't always be perfect and they shouldn't be, you know, perfection is not required. We do want to focus on making the the best decision that we can make depending on our finances and what we have available and, you know, what, what we're wanting to eat. Um, so that was kind of a, a roundabout answer to say, don't focus on, or don't, don't fall for things that just label themselves as clean. Um, look to see if they really are um, minimally processed, unprocessed, um, or, or just kind of fresh foods to eat there and choose the majority of those. All right. We did have a question that came in that asked about um, spirulina. And so they asked what blue spirulina powder is. And so um, spirulina is a type of algae, actually. So it's kind of dehydrated and in a powder form. Um, And you can get that in um, you know, nutrition stores or supplement stores or in, um, you know, I believe they have it like in Whole Foods and Fresh Market and those kinds of stores. I haven't looked for it in like a Kroger or a Walmart, anything like that. And I don't um, intentionally seek it out and add it to my diet. Um, if uh, sometimes I'll get a smoothie bowl and it'll have some of that in there and that's fine. But so really getting to the heart of what it is, I mentioned it's an algae. And so it's got some health potential health benefits um, to that. Um, Things like being rich in vitamins, um, particular your B vitamins like B1, B2, B3, um, also iron, um, and then some of your kind of trace minerals like uh, copper uh, and also has some magnesium in it. So it's got some good kind of vitamins and minerals that are in it. And so if you feel like that's lacking in your diet, then, you know, potentially that could be okay to add in. But it's not going to be a miracle there. You know, there's there's no miracle pills or powders or, you know, foods. It's just things that can bump up the nutritional content of our food. Um, It is spirulina is also high in um, antioxidants. And so that works well for you kind of decreasing inflammation. Um, It also um, there's some data out there to say that it helps with kind of blood vessel functioning, meaning um, blood vessel being able to relax, so potentially lowering blood pressure. Um, but, you know, again, 
if you enjoy adding that maybe to a smoothie or a smoothie bowl or something like that every now and then that's fine, but not, um, you know, it's not a miracle. Um, this person also asked about the brand. I don't have any particular brand that I would, you know, recommend just a, a good quality one from a reputable, um, grocer um, or supplement store. Remember that supplements are not regulated by the Food and Drug Administration. So always discuss adding any any type of supplement um, into your diet with your regular healthcare provider. All right. And if anybody uses spirulina out there and they have like a delicious recipe for it and I'm missing out on something, let me know. I know it does give a beautiful blue green color to, um, to things. So, you know, <laughs> if you eat, if you really enjoy having a, like a mermaid colored, uh, smoothie, then that might be something for you there. Um, I have heard that it's quite expensive. Um, and so I would rather see you spend your money on, you know, fruits and veggies and, and fresh things that are going to give you lots of fiber and, and, and bulk up your stomach so that you fill up on things and you're not hungry than to see you spend a lot of money on, um, you know, a supplement or a powder or something like that. I'm always going to tell you to go, go to the food first, right? All right. And we've got some other questions coming in. Um, I think I've eaten too much salty food over the last couple of weeks. Woo, you and everybody else, friend. That is a, a quite a common thing. Uh, my feet seem to have bloated a bit. Is this common? All right, so let's unpack that a little bit. So feet, kind of feet swelling or feet being bloated, um, the medical term for that would be edema. Um, so, you know, swelling in an area that shouldn't normally be swollen. And so when we see it in the feet, that's usually what we call dependent edema because gravity is pulling on that, right? Um, if you're sitting in a chair or standing up, the part of your body that has the most gravitational pull on it is your feet and ankles. And so if you're hanging on to a little bit too much fluid, that's where you'll see some of it start to kind of leak out of the um, vasculature and into the tissues and you'll see that puffiness there. If you're bed bound and you're in the bed all the time, then dependent edema shows up on your back and your booty because uh, that's what's got the largest amount of, of gravity on it there. So without knowing, you know, if you've ever had swelling or edema before, it would be kind of wrong for me to attribute that all to extra salt in your diet, right? Um, that would need to be worked up by your primary care provider to see if that is, you know, a cause of your swelling. When we do overindulge in salty foods, um, that does make us hang on to more fluid, but that fluid is usually in the blood vessels. So um, increased blood pressure and those kinds of things. So I can't answer it 100% to say those things are related, but we can talk about the fact that we need to watch salt intake in general, right? Most of us eat way more salt than we need. Um, last time I looked, I think the average American eats somewhere around um, 3,600 milligrams of sodium or something like that a day when the recommended amount is 2,300 milligrams or below. Um, so way more salt than we need. Uh, and that does contribute to blood pressure issues and um, then heart disease. So we do want to watch those 
kinds of things. A lot of people think that means we don't season our food when we cook it. Uh, we can absolutely season our food. We want to be careful and we want to start with things that are not seasoned to begin with, right? About 80% of the salt in our diet comes from packaged products. So again, that goes back to what we talked about at the top of the show and being cognizant of what you're choosing to begin your recipes with, right? If you start um, your chili with, you know, a chili mix, and then you add in um, canned beans, and you don't rinse them, and then you add in maybe a, you know, chicken stock or a veggie stock or something like that, um, that's not uh, low sodium, you've got a lot of salt on board right there at the very beginning. Um, whereas if we started with a, you know, a uh, no salt uh, stock and we uh, started with a, a bean that we cooked ourselves, or if that's not happening in, in your lifestyle, at least a low sodium version of that canned bean and we rinsed it and drained it really, really well um, and then started maybe with either a reduced sodium uh, kit or uh, make our own taco seasoning kit, which I've got a great taco seasoning um, over on my Facebook page that you can pick up and use there that's got much less sodium in it than a packaged mix has there. So it's all about starting with the with the least processed stuff that you have um, going forward so that you're then able to add some salt to your meals. Then also think about non-salt associated spices, right? Things like garlic and onions, which are a great way to start most savory dishes. Those are going to add lots and lots of flavor without the salt. Um, things like herbs. Um, some of my favorites are basil and thyme and rosemary. Um, peppers. Uh, making things spicy is another good way if that doesn't bother you from a, you know, a reflux type of situation. And then citrus. That's another good way. So either the zest off of a lemon or a lime or an orange or something like that. And then um, the juice from those as well. Those are all great ways to add flavor without adding salt. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking, is a show that explores issues that relate to you and your family. To find out what we're all about, subscribe to the podcast by using any podcast app or by downloading our MPB public media app. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. Today on Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at UMMC, and we are talking about jumpstarting our health to get or stay healthy and fit in this coming year. If you have a question or a comment from us, for us, our number is one eight seven seven MPB ring, and we do have a caller on the line. We're going to go to Vidalia, Louisiana, and talk with Harry. Good morning, Harry. Good morning. 
I ran across this the other day that I think is appropriate. And okay. It said, if God made it, eat it. If man made it, avoid it. I have heard that one, and that is a that is a good one. You know, I take it one step further because you know I don't eat meat, so I say if it has a face, I don't eat it. But I fully endorse the you know eating as much as we can what is is naturally kind of grown for us out there and trying to limit processed stuff. Not always perfect, you know. I grab some of those things every now and then, but I intentionally try and, and make the majority of my food, you know, not as messed with. Well, thank you. I enjoy your program. You do a really great service. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you, and I thank you so much for listening. That's why we get to do awesome shows like this, because of listeners like you. And if you are listening out there and you have a question or a comment for us, we'd love to hear it. As I mentioned, our number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four, And our email is fit at mpbonline.org. Josie, you could like I jump in with a question? Something. Yes. Uh-huh. What do you want to say, Kevin? <laughs> Actually, uh, a comment and a question. I've uh, tried um, whole wheat pasta, mm-hmm. which I wish they would make more varieties, you know, the different types of pasta. But uh, when I first cooked it, it, it wasn't overly mealy, but it seemed like it was not quite as firm. So I'm wondering if I cut back and maybe cook it a little more al dente, whether it would I'd get a little bit more of the firmness I, I like. Yes. So I do especially if you're going to finish it in a sauce. So I don't, I don't, are you like a keep your pasta and your sauce separate or are you a throw it all in the pot at the same time? Cause apparently there are two camps of people. Well, I'm a separate guy until it gets on the plate. Oh no. See, I'm a mix it together kind of girl. And so um, like well, I cook my pasta, I cook my pasta sauce and then I pull my pasta um, a couple minutes early from the boiling water, throw it over into my sauce and let, the noodles absorb some of the moisture from the sauce. Um, and that way, you know, you get a little bit more flavor into the pasta noodle and you get it cooked pretty much, you know, kind of how you want to. And you can then adjust the consistency of your sauce. But I did not grow up that way. Like I grew up with like two separate pots. So you had a pot of spaghetti and then you had a pot of spaghetti sauce and you put your pasta on your plate and then you dumped your you know, spaghetti sauce on top of that. Um, but I kind of morphed it as, as I've um, grown up there. Yeah. So I would probably just pull that a couple minutes um, sooner than you, you think it would be. You really want it to have some, you know, good kind of bite to it when, when you bite into it there. Um, and then there's some, you know, some other ones you could try. There's a brown rice pasta that I really enjoy. Um, there are the chickpea and the lentil based pastas out there now as well, which I do from time to time just for added uh, protein since I don't, don't eat the animals, uh, adding those in. Now those do tend to get a little, a little mushier. So those probably would not be something that you would necessarily love since you like it to have a, a little bit more, um, a little bit more bite to it there, but you could also try doing some spiralized, veggies in there Kevin because that would give it some nice good bite as well as getting some more vitamins and minerals um, some more fiber um, and just a little less um, you know true starchy carb nothing wrong with starchy carbs I love them Um, but I'm always uh, a fan of being able to eat bigger portions of stuff and so adding some more veggies in there means more food in my belly um, I do have a spiralizer, which I like to use. So if you would to do like a zucchini, would you just put it on there raw or would you saute it a little bit? You could do either one. Um, I would probably the last, you know, 
two to three minutes of the noodle cooking, I would probably just dump it over in uh, the water with the noodles. So it would kind of just blanch, but it would still stay kind of, you know, crisp, tender um, that you have in there. If you were doing all zucchini, then you could absolutely just kind of saute it first in the pan and then pour your sauce in over the top of it there. Um, but now, dang, now I'm hungry. Now, now I want some pasta and it's only 1127. I'm going to have to, I have to slow my roll because I'm not getting any pasta this early in the day. All right, guys, if you have a food or nutrition question or really anything related to being healthy and fit, um, we are your spot for information. Give us a call at 1-877-MPB-RING. All right. Had a question that came in and said, I went to donate blood and they told me that my iron was too low and would not let me donate. What are some iron rich foods that I can eat? Well, there's a lot to this question, right? So when you go to donate blood, which first of all, thank you for going and trying to donate blood. There is a shortage now um, more so than ever. So if you're available to donate, I do encourage you to do that. Um, they check a finger stick and they check a hemoglobin level. So we have, um, it's part of um, a, a kind of a blood count and it can tell us um, in a sort of kind of way, our iron levels. There's actually a more specific test that it will actually tell you the amount of iron in your blood, but it's one of the um, easiest ways to check for anemia. And so just having a low hemoglobin doesn't necessarily mean that it's, just your iron level that's low. Um, so you would need kind of some further evaluation, especially if this is new to you. If you've never been diagnosed with anemia before, never had an iron problem, anything like that, because there are different types of anemia. The By and large, the most common type of anemia and the most common nutritional deficiency we have here um, in America is iron deficiency. Um, but there's also B12 deficiency anemia, something called, it's called pernicious anemia, you may see. Um, and then there's the ones that are a little bit more uh, kind of ominous, like there's um, like a blood loss anemia. And of course, there's that if you have an injury and you lose a lot of blood, but then there's also the anemia that can result from kind of kind of chronic slow blood loss, maybe through um, a, a bleed in your belly or in your colon, something like that. Um, and then there's you know the anemia that is iron deficiency anemia, but associated with blood loss for women during their menstrual cycles. And so I'd need to know a little bit more information uh, to be able to kind of point you in in which direction to go there. Um, if you're a woman who is, you know, actively menstruating, have a heavy cycle, those kinds of things, that's probably the cause of the anemia. If you're, you know, an older male gentleman, that's probably not the cause of the anemia. And we'd want to investigate that a little bit further. But for the sake of learning about some iron rich foods, let's say you've gone, you've been worked up. And that is in fact, what you have going on. You have an iron deficiency anemia, and they have recommended that you increase iron in your diet. Some things that you can do, obviously the one that jumps out to most people is meat, right? So red meat, poultry, seafood, all of those have um, iron in them. I don't eat meat, so how do I get my iron? Well, I get them through things like beans and lentils. Those are great sources of iron. Nuts and seeds. Uh, and then enriched um, products. So a lot of the whole grains have iron added to them and those types of things. So, uh, and then green leafy vegetables. That's another um, really good uh, kind of spot to get some iron, so to speak. 
Um, and so I just make sure I have some of those at, at all my meals, you know, so that I'm eating, um, you know, from each one of those food groups all the time to get those. So looking at ways that you can sprinkle, you know, nuts and seeds on things or ways that you can toss beans into a salad or a wrap, something like that. Um, we also want to help our body absorb the iron that we eat more efficiently. And that is done with vitamin C. Um, so vitamin C helps us absorb um, the iron that we eat. So combining an iron-rich food with a vitamin C-rich food is like a win-win situation there in terms of helping um, with our iron levels. So how do you do that, right? So maybe I pick a um, iron-fortified cereal. So for me, it would be oatmeal, right? And then I throw some strawberries on top of that oatmeal, right? So I've got the iron from the whole grain. I've got the vitamin C um, from the strawberries. Um, maybe I do um, a black bean taco, which we know I love black bean tacos. I eat those all the time. But I've got the iron from the beans going on. And then let's uh, cut up some red bell pepper or something like that and throw on the top. Red bell pepper has more vitamin C in it than citrus fruit does because we tend to think about oranges and orange juice when we think about citrus uh, when we think about vitamin C. So I'm gonna throw some red bell peppers on top of that and now again I've got um, an iron rich food and a vitamin C rich food. And we also want to limit things that are going to block our absorption of iron and that's things like tannins. And tannins come in things like coffee and tea and um uh, red wine, those kinds of things. And so if you're someone who enjoys those beverages, then maybe we don't do them while we're also eating. Maybe we do that in between a meal so that we don't uh, impair the absorption of, of that iron there and help us to absorb it and use it however we we can. Um, if all else fails or if you're very um, deficient in iron, they may recommend an iron supplement that you take. Um, and if they do, that's important. A couple of things to be aware of that are often not told to folks when they start iron uh, pills is it's going to make your bowel movement change colors. It's going to make it dark. Um, and that's that's normal, but that can be scary for folks. Um, and the other is that it can cause constipation. Um, so a lot of times if we're going to start um, an iron supplement, you may also ask for a stool softener um, on the on the side there to, to have on board as well. So that as most people that I see that have been put on iron replacements, they uh, stop taking them because of those GI side effects there. Um, and then we don't have enough iron on board, we're anemic, and you feel like stink when you don't have enough iron. You're very fatigued. You tend um, to tire out more easily, and that makes it harder to do things like exercise or spend time cooking and, um, you know, pouring intentionally into your health and wellness. So it's important to try and take those as much as we can. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. 
Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC, and we're answering your health and wellness questions today, kind of jump-starting this new year with some really great questions. If you have one for us, our number is one mpb ring And we do have a caller on the line in Mobile. We're going to talk with Mikey. Good morning, Mikey. Oh, Happy New Year, Dr. Josie. Um, happy uh, Happy New Year. Absolutely. I mean, and you you really brightened up last year for me, and I don't expect oh. anything less, and you've already lived up to that, okay? Because the Iron thing, yeah, that's a, thank you. I've, I've made notes on that. Um, I'm so glad. Okay, so, uh, you know, a little give back here, but it's probably it's so simple that it's absurdly stupid, okay? But I'm going <laughs> I'm gonna go ahead and offer it. Offer it anyway. Um uh because uh well with things being like they are for most all of us, you know, it's like uh even if you have family and you you can't afford to contagionize each other for you know, I'm making up a mm-hmm. word there. Um <laughs> I, I took a can of, of uh, black eyed peas and I don't know why this never occurred to me before, but since I had an onion, and, and a lot of times I'm hesitant to go ahead and cut an onion. I know it's just an onion, but it's hard to get to the store also, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I, I took the onion, and I um, peel off the outer, and then I just kind of sliced off, but leaving the core of it and leaving the root of it down to um, uh, leaving the outside, outer edges of the roots at, at a quarter of an inch in so that it left the core mm-hmm. kind of like a green onion with still a whole onion root on it right yep and and stuck it down in um uh part of what was recycled uh the up up part anyway stuck it down in a quarter half inch of water and of course it regrows Mm-hmm. And then, then you have the the green growth at the top to use. You can also do this, of course, with green onions. Um, mm-hmm. I, I bring this up because uh, I have a, a neighbor who blessed me with um, fabulous cookies and cake. <laughs> I mean, just wonderful things. And I ate every smidgen, and I don't regret it even a bit. Because okay? I'm going to garden it off, right? Um, and uh, so my swap, my gift to her, um, which she, it wasn't a swap, it was a gift because uh, she appreciated it so much, was a sprig of rosemary, which I tried to instruct her on how to, um, you know, if she wants to grow the plant, she can from that. Um, mm-hmm. But also um, just a little bit of parsley that, that came from my little teeny tiny, it's only a 14-inch pot, this is not a big ordeal thing, of herb garden. Um, mm-hmm. I have some oregano in it, but I didn't figure that that would go so well with um But I suggested the rosemary in her cornbread to go with the black eyed mm-hmm. peas that she was cooking, mm-hmm. as well as a jalapeno pepper. That, um, oh, that sounds and, good. And she was delighted, you know, it's like to, the, the pepper to go. And I suggested also that she put the jalapeno whole, since she was cooking with the dried peas. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and, but 
a lot of people, including me, obviously, don't know that if you use the green things, uh, now the stems, of course, you might want to throw in with the black-eyed peas. But what I, what I found out is that after I sliced the, the pieces that I just kind of sliced off in, in, you know, relatively, I don't know, quarter-inch sliced chunks or whatever off of that onion, I just stuck them down, some of them down inside that can of black-eyed peas, some other of it down inside um, a, a cream of tomato, you know, half can that I had stored in a plastic container thing, mm-hmm. and it – and some of the uh, the parsley stems also, mm-hmm. which I mm-hmm. previously discarded. Yep. It gave amazing flavor to all of that stuff. And then, mm-hmm. of course, you've got the leaves that you can use as a garnish on the top. And that's the thing, that the leaves and for green things and, and for your onions and things, which are going to grow on your windowsill just great. You put a just a little half tablespoon or a teaspoon or something on top of some of those things when you're serving it, and it gives you eye appeal as well as gorgeous flavor, as well as some, you know, spring. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned kind of doing that onion, and I did that all this summer. So I did, um, you know, you keep the the fuzzy end of the onion, the hairy end of it. And yeah. just, you know, put the, the very end of that, that root in some water and kind of change that water out every day or so. And it will, it will start to grow some longer pieces of hair. And um, you mentioned it'll kind of sprout out through the top as well. And you can trim that green off the top and use that, you know, as flavoring. And, or you can take that whole kind of little sprouted thing and plant it in the ground um, and yeah. regrow an onion um, yeah. from there. You can do it with garlic as well. I usually... You know, I usually have kind of like oh, one yeah. or two little garlic cloves that are all sad and dried up toward the, yep. you know, toward the end of my garlic clove. And you can do the same thing um, with those. And then my Boy. favorite one that I did this summer was carrots. So um, I get the carrots that have, you know, just like a little bit of the green still at the top. Uh-huh. And you just cut that end of the carrot off and put that in a a dish of water and those greens will regrow. You won't regrow a carrot, but you'll grow carrot greens off the top of that, that you can then harvest and make into a delicious pesto. Yeah. Or you can just throw it on top again. Like if you've got a can of, you know, tomato soup or whatever, or, you know, cheese soup or potato soup or bean soup, you know, just put a little sprinkle of that, you know, chopped up stuff, not chopped up stuff on top of it. And it makes it pretty. And that makes you want to eat it more, right? It it does. Makes it pretty. Makes it taste good. It's cutting back on food waste. And, you know, it's, again, a way to add flavor to things without adding salt or fat. So I am all for it there. Kiddos love to do it. They can do it on the windowsill while it's cold outside, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And, That's a good lesson uh, for them. Uh, it, All right, my I dear. Got, got, thank you so I much you for question. calling me. Can I, can I ask you a question before? Oh, of course you can, my dear. What you got? Um, I, my question is, it, it, this is something I've always wanted to experiment with, but like I said, I just figured out the onion, slicing it off and sticking it down inside the can thing. Uh, so maybe I'm a slow learner, slow bloomer, as my grandmother used to say. Um, uh, but uh, um, can you take a slow cooker and put it, and use it as an oven? If you put like I don't know cans or glasses or even silicone things down inside it and use it dry, do you know? Have you done that? 
you can you can bake in a slow cooker. Um, so there are, um, I've done a couple of cakes, like coffee cakes, so to speak, down in yeah. there. That's the only only thing I've used it as an oven for. Um, but I, I bet there are lots of different uses for it. If anybody knows, if anybody's listening and they've used their slow cooker as an oven, I'd love to, to hear about it. And I'll do Me some more too. investigating. But I have baked a cake in mine before. Okay. Well, I guess I better get going then. Thank you so much. <laughs> Talk to you later, ma'am. Absolutely. You have a good year, okay? You too. All right. All right. We had a question um, come in. I'm going to get to it before we take our last break of the hour. Um, and it said, should I change my oil from olive oil to coconut oil? Oh, my goodness. Well, the the short answer is no. Um, the long answer is a little bit longer than that. So coconut oil had some brilliant marketing done for it um, because it has been touted to do, you know, a myriad of things. Um, but I think it's important that we remember fundamentally that it's a fat, right? And if it, if you are not just eating coconut, if you are using coconut oil, it is an added fat. And so there are plenty of fats that occur within foods um, that you can get your fat content from um, that also are going to come in a nutrient package, right? They're going to come with vitamins and minerals and fiber and, you know, space taking ability in your belly. Um, whereas an oil, whether it be coconut oil, olive oil, butter, canola oil, you know, any of those oils take up very little room in your belly. So they're not going to fill you up and they have a lot of calories and fat in them because they are just pure fat. So every fat, um, every oil is 14 grams of fat per tablespoon or 120 calories. That's a lot. Um, when you think about dumping a tablespoon of, of oil on something and do we really do we really need it? When we look at fats, there are unsaturated fats and saturated fats. The unsaturated fats are the ones we want to eat more of. The saturated fats are the ones we want to eat less of. Saturated fats um, increase our risk for heart disease. They can raise our cholesterol, those types of things. And the way to know if something is saturated versus unsaturated is what it looks like at room temperature. If it is a liquid, at room temperature, it is unsaturated. If it is a solid at room temperature, it is saturated. So now don't think about sitting your jar of coconut oil out on the counter in the middle of the Mississippi summer, like it's gonna, it's gonna melt. But in just a normal room temp, you know, 65, 70 degrees, that coconut oil would be solid, right? It would almost look like Crisco. And so that means it's a saturated fat. Um, and so that it's not helping us in terms of um, cholesterol and heart health. So if you enjoy coconut oil and you wanted, you know, to add a little bit of coconut oil to a recipe because you enjoy that flavor, sure. But don't just make a, you know, lateral swap from a coconut or from a um, olive oil to a co coconut oil thinking it's going to be some kind of, again, magic solution to health. It's just not. And you may in fact see some bumps in your cholesterol numbers. Um, a lot of my patients ha have done that. And that's kind of been the way we've gotten rid of the coconut oil is I'll say, okay, I'm gonna leave you alone. We'll check your cholesterol in a couple months and see what's going on. And it's, it's bumped up and we've cut back on the coconut oil there. So just remember that we don't need as much 
added oils and fats as we use in our daily cooking. And we can saute in water, we can saute in stock, we can saute in wine. All of those things give, still give us really good flavor. Um, and they cut back on that added fat. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app. Hi, I'm Walt Grayson. You can now listen to the wild, weird, and wonderful stories of Mississippi with Mile Marker. We are a Yucca Drive-In Theater. We're the last operating drive-in in the state of Mississippi. Join me as we hit the roads of Mississippi on Mile Marker. Freaked me out that you could come and drive your car and park and watch the movie outside. You can listen by going to mpbonline.org slash radio or by using your favorite podcasting app, Mile Marker, a Mississippi Roads podcast. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. You're listening to Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, nurse practitioner at UMMC. And we've kicked off this first Monday of January with lots of great questions about how to get or stay healthy and fit. We're in the last segment of the show. So if you have a question for us, now is a great time to do that. It's one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. You can always send us an email, fit at mpbonline.org, or message me over on Healthy Habits with Josie on Facebook. All right, had a question um, that came in and said, what do you think of detox drinks? Well, this is radio, so you can't see my face. But if you could, you would know that I made a face on that. So let's talk about detox, the, the word detox, right? And so let's think about what we're, what we're really trying to accomplish with that. Most people um, that come to see me who have done detoxes or are interested in doing a detox are doing so because they want to lose weight. So my answer to that is how much, or my question that I follow that up with is how much water are you drinking? And if most of the time it is, is very little, um, you know, a couple of glasses or most folks tell me one bottle or one to two bottles a day. And it's those little 16.9 ounce bottles. So that equals somewhere between two to four glasses of water. And that's just simply not enough um, for most adults. And so um, that's kind of the number one way to detox ourselves is to make sure we're adequately hydrated. So detox beverages and foods and diets and juices and all these kinds of things are fairly expensive um, to do. And our body naturally detoxes itself, right? So we've got kidneys, we've got liver and that's kind of their job filter things detox things and get get rid of them and so as long as we have functioning kidneys and liver we and we supply our body with what it needs it should kind of naturally detoxify ourselves and so one of the greatest things we can supply our body with in terms of detoxification is 
water because the only way we get blood to our kidneys to be filtered and waste products excreted is to have adequate hydration, right? That's why if you don't drink a lot of water when you pee, it's real dark. When you drink appropriate amount of water, it's very clear or very light yellow straw colored when you go because you are adequately hydrated. And so a lot of people ask me, well, how much water should I be drinking? Well, it's variable, right? It's going to depend on your age. It's going to depend on any medical problems that you may have. If you've got you know, chronic kidney disease or congestive heart failure, then you may be under kind of strict hydration guidelines by your healthcare provider. It'll also depend on how physically active you are and other types of things that you're consuming, right? We, lots of fruits and veggies are mostly water. And so that kind of counts into our hydration status as well. Um, there are lots of kind of calculators out there that'll tell you about half your body weight in ounces is how much water you should be drinking. Um, when people do that, their eyes bug out of their heads because it's so much more water than they are normally drinking. And so I don't recommend starting there. If you're only drinking two glasses of water a day, let's look at ways that we can drink three glasses uh, of water a day because any, any step in the right direction is a step in the right direction, even if it's small, okay? Um, another way to tell is by the color of your urine, right? So if you go to the bathroom and it is dark yellow or even kind of like post-it note color yellow, that is, is too dark, right? We want it to be lighter than that. It doesn't have to look exactly like water, um, but it should be very, very pale colored. And that's a good way to kind of judge um, your hydration status there. But just talk to your healthcare provider. And, you know, especially if you've got chronic medical issues and say, is there, you know, do I need to limit my fluids? Um, and if you do, make sure that the fluids that you are getting are from water and not from things like diet soda or regular soda or juice or all of these other kinds of things. Um, you know, when I work with um, patients a lot, and I, I work with a lot of patients with chronic kidney disease, and they'll say, well, I'm on a fluid restriction, so I can't increase my water. I'll say, well, let's look at what we're drinking instead. Right? And they may be drinking, you know, uh, 20 ounces of soda or something like that. Um, or a lot of juice. And so it's not about adding more water to those folks. It's about replacing the beverages that they're currently doing with at least some water. So maybe we only have half of a, a soda and the rest of it is, is water there. So not perfection, just you know, kind of slightly better choices there. Um, I mentioned that there are foods that are um, you know, have a lot of hydration, a lot of water in them. And those are great, especially if you're someone who doesn't like water, which I hear a ton. Um, you know, think about adding some of those in to your diet. And then think about what it is that you don't like about water. Is it because it's flat? Or is it because there's no taste to it? Because re regardless of, of which one of those is, there's, there's solutions we can do for that, right? If you don't like it because it's kind of flat or still, then maybe we add in a sparkling water, right? That's how I got myself off a of Diet Coke was adding in um, like a seltzer water. And so I have one of those a day to kind of uh, hit that, that buzzy, buzzy feeling that, not buzzy, that's the wrong word. That sounds like a different kind of beverage. Fizzy, that is the word I'm looking for, a fizzy feeling in your mouth. If it is a flavor situation, then maybe you um, put some fruits in the bottom of your water bottle so that those fruits flavor um, that water as well. So lots of different options out there.
I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine and Nurse Practitioner at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Thanks for listening to the Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit Podcast. If you have a question, you can email fit at mpbonline.org or leave a comment on my Facebook page, Healthy Habits with Josie. For ongoing information on staying healthy and fit, subscribe to the podcast using your favorite podcasting app.